0: Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we rejoice at the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. For the Lord's Supper reminds us of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. It assures us of his continued blessings and it helps us to look forward to his return. To celebrate the Lord's Supper in a meaningful way, we need to know who our Savior Jesus Christ is and the mighty works that he has done and continues to do. For us. To help us to know Jesus Christ, this morning we'll look at the final prophecy that Balaam made before Balak, king of Moab. Balak had hired Balaam to come and curse Israel, but all Balaam did was bless them three times. Balak is disgusted and he sends him away. Yet before Balaam leaves, he offers one more oracle. He said, come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. And then Balaam gives a prophecy of a star coming out of Jacob and a scepter arising from out of Israel. Through this oracle, Balaam speaks about the coming of the Messiah and of his glorious work. He provides all God's people with so much comfort and encouragement. I preached to you God's word under the following theme. Balaam prophesies about the coming of Israel's great king. His coming is spectacular. His enemies will be crushed. And his people will do valiantly. Balaam's prophecy begins with him speaking about how his eye has been opened by God. How he hears the words of God and sees the vision of the Almighty. He conveys that what he's about to say is, direct revelation from God. At the same time, Balaam says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Balaam indicates that this prophecy is something that will take place, but that its fulfillment is a long way off. Then Balaam gets to the heart of his prophecy. He says, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter rise out of Israel. Now, a scepter is a rod or staff, often decorated with gold and jewels. It is a symbol of power in the hand of a king. Just think of the story of Mordecai telling Esther that she needs to approach the king for the sake of the Jewish people. If she went into the presence of the king uninvited, she would be killed unless he extended the scepter to her. Thus, a scepter is a symbol of the authority and the power of a king. When Jacob blessed his sons, he too spoke of how the scepter would not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. That, too, is a prophecy of how a mighty king would arise out of Judah's line. Balaam makes a similar prophecy. He sees a scepter arising from Israel, From this vast people in front of him will arise a ruler who will sit on a throne and who will exercise power. Now, of itself, that's not all that surprising. The nations all had their own kings. It was expected Israel, too, would have its own king. But Balaam sees more than just your average ruler From Israel will arise a scepter, and from Judah would come a star. A star is a heavenly light. They are glorious in their brightness and in their endurance. If you're called a star today, it's because you excel in ways above all those around you. So this scepter coming from Israel will not be a passing power. It won't be a candle that shines for a little while and then fizzles out. The king arising from Israel will be mighty and glorious. It is striking that when Jesus was born, wise men came from the east saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Please note that in asking about the birth of the King of the Jews, the wise men speak about seeing his star rise up. In ancient times, the sighting of a new star was often associated with the birth of a king. And thus, it's through the wise men that the Lord revealed the fact that Israel's Messiah had been born. Jesus' coming is associated with the rising of a star the fulfillment of Balaam's prophecy. Yet note how the Lord used this star to lead the wise men to Bethlehem. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They entered the house where Jesus was, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Thus the star represented the coming of the Messiah, our Savior Jesus Christ. It was a sign that he'd come into the world to usher in a better day. When John writes about the coming of Jesus Christ, at the beginning of his gospel, he says in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John calls Jesus the true light, which gives light to everyone. And so we see how in his final prophecy, Balaam predicts the coming of Israel's great king. A king who would bring life and light to all his people. Brings us to our second point. When speaking about the coming of Israel's great king, Balaam prophesies that his enemies will get crushed. In our text, Balaam prophesies that the scepter rising out of Israel shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Shath. Balaam speaks about how this king would exercise his sovereignty not just over Moab, but also over the Edomites and the Amalekites, the people of Asher and Eber. This certainly was not a prophecy that Balak, king of Moab, wanted to hear. He had hired Balaam to come and curse Israel so that Moab would have dominion over Israel. But instead, the opposite happens. Those who seek to curse Israel are cursed. Balaam specifically speaks about this mighty king of Israel crushing the head of Moab. Well, you all know what happens when you crush someone's head. That person dies. Balaam's prophecy found its initial fulfillment in Israel's first kings. 1 Samuel 14 says, When Saul had taken over the kingship of Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side. Against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly and struck the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. After Saul, the Lord raised up David as king. 1 Samuel 8 says that David defeated Moab, and he measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground. Two lines he measured to be put to death, and one full line to be spared. And the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. It was not just the Moabites that David conquered. He subdued all the surrounding nations, with the result that in Solomon's day, kings came from all over to pay tribute to Israel. Yet Balaam's prophecy was not just about the glorious reign of David, and Solomon during Israel's golden age. We need to remember where the opposition and hatred for God's people Israel had come from. Who was really behind it? Remember, Israel was about to enter the promised land where they would enjoy peace and security at last. In their midst was the seed of the coming Messiah, the scepter and star of Jacob, Who was it that worried about the well-being of his own head, which the Lord had prophesied would be crushed one day? It was Satan. He wanted to prevent the royal star from arising. If he could stop him, the devil's domain would be secure. The people walking in darkness would stay in the dark. Here, beloved, we see what makes the coming of the Messiah so spectacular It is not that the Christ would take the throne in Israel and help conquer the Romans and return Israel to her glory days. No, Jesus did not come to establish a physical kingdom on earth. He came to deal with the darkness in which all of mankind lived. He came as a bright light shining in that darkness. Jesus came to defeat sin And Satan and death, through his death and resurrection, that he might give righteousness and life to all who believe in him. He came to grant us forgiveness for our sins and the renewal of our lives. He came to restore us to fellowship with God through his blood shed on the cross. It brings us to our final point. In our text, Balaam prophesies that because of the scepter arising out of Israel, his people will do valiantly. Now, a person who is valiant is bold, courageous, and fearless. Thus, Balaam prophesies about the effect of the Messiah's kingship on his people. It's through the coming of the great king and the defeat of all his enemies that he would transform his people to be bold, courageous, and fearless. Were the Israelites courageous when they faced their enemies? Well, at times they were, but at other times they were not. To courage for them to enter Canaan and conquer seven nations greater and mightier than them. But later in Israel's history, there were also times when God's people were sorely afraid at the approach of foreign armies who intended to subdue them. We, too, do not always live without fear. There are strong forces arrayed against the Lord and his anointed king. Nations and rulers rise up and plot against the Lord and against his people. So how do we know that God's people will do valiantly? Where does our safety and our security come from? It comes from knowing who Jesus is and what he has done for us. He has not only come to redeem his people and to restore us to righteousness and life. After his earthly ministry, Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Christ has defeated the evil one and bound him. So the forces of darkness that were behind Balaam are broken. Christ has made glorious promises to us. But how nobody and nothing will be able to separate us from the love, of his, from his love. But beloved, that's not always obvious to us. We're living in an increasingly corrupt society. Many things the Bible identifies as sin are celebrated as living in freedom. and we as Christians are not willing to join in with the world and its debauchery and its licentiousness, we're often slandered and reviled. So how can we say that God's people will do valiantly? The Bible talks about the struggles and the persecution that many will have to endure for the sake of their faith. How can we be bold and courageous and fearless in the midst of our ungodly culture? Well, below, there's only one way. It's by living with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus had to walk the pathway of suffering to attain glory. And he made it clear that we are to follow in his footsteps With eyes of faith, we need to hold on to the fact that Jesus truly is King of kings and Lord of lords, that he has power and dominion over all. What helps is knowing the promises that Jesus has made to us. In fulfillment of Balaam's prophecy, Jesus called himself the bright morning star. He said that in Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. The morning star is a reference to a bright star that appears in the sky at certain times of the year. Actually, it's not really a star. It is the planet Venus. It reflects the rays of the sun just before the break of a new day. It symbolizes the coming of a new day. Whenever we see the morning star rise up in the night sky. We are reminded that our Savior will soon come back on the clouds of heaven. As Messiah, he will come to usher in a new day, a time when all gloom is put to flight, a time when Christ will provide his healing light. Soon we will see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We will know him as we are known by him. Life will be full, complete, perfect. With Christ, we will be eternally content. So we see, beloved, that in the Lord's Supper, we don't just remember what Christ has done for us. We also look forward to his return when he will reign over all things as king, and when we may share in the joy and the glory he has promised. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from hymn 19. We'll sing stanzas 1 and 4.